1: I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And
0: I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neo Modern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne.
1: Hey Ruben, how are you
0: I'm good are you having a good uh, vacation or hol- holiday uh... you know
1: we're, we're starting it early the way that the vacation days kind of worked out this year we uh yeah we left on the 20th so hmm. we're full on family right now we actually have the Italian family luncheon <laughs> this afternoon so I'm uh ready I'm uh, I've been like you know really packing it in for the past couple days so i've stretched my stomach and eat as much pasta and sausage as i possibly can i see
0: where are you what's uh
1: we're near detroit
0: you're near detroit
1: michigan you're um,
0: david's family's house
1: correct correct yes so we are celebrating uh celebrating the holidays in the midwest nice and chilly but not actually not that chilly and no snow
0: well here it's pouring rain and uh you're not (laughs) missing anything really (laughs) Uh, you know, we're coming up on our 100th episode. It's getting closer. I, I thought we might hit it before the new year, but uh, we're at like 97, maybe.
1: Okay. You know, something to look forward to for 2020. 2020 is going to be a great year. 2020 is going to
0: be a great year. <laughs> and um, this is, I guess this is our holiday episode. This will probably uh, release right around the New Year's Eve or so. So uh, oh, happy well, New Year to everyone. a great guest for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> happy New Year's. Um, and, I, and I just did want to say that I was sorry you missed uh, Fred Van Johnson last week, um, he, okay. uh, but we'll have him on again. Uh, he's uh, we, like when you're back in town, we'll all get together at Neo Modern. Let's get right down to it. So um, we have a interesting photographer guest today named Stephen Sheffield, who I met uh, many years ago in Houston at PhotoFest, where I seem to have met a lot of cool photographers, and um, I've been watching his work for years. And I just thought, like, let's let's sit down with this guy. So Suzanne, I'd like to introduce you to Steven. Steven, Suzanne.
2: Hi, hey. Steven. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me
1: on. Absolutely nice. Nice to meet you.
0: Steven, where are you?
1: Uh,
2: I live in a small seaside town south of Boston called Cohasset.
0: Wait, Cohasset? I know Uh, that. Well, I I went to school in Rhode Island, so south of Boston is practically Rhode Island.
2: Exactly. So it's very close. uh, Well, you know, and uh, but it's it's um, one of those things where if you took a boat from Cohasset to Boston, it would take you 15 minutes, but it takes about an hour by car because of all the different routes and getting around it. So
0: it's very interesting.
2: We're very we're cut off in a beautiful way.
0: That's nice. Do you have a boat? Is that how you go to Boston? (laughs)
2: No, <laughs> but I do have a boat that I that I rehabbed last year. But it's not a big; it's just like a little runabout, hmm. but, like an old wooden boat. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's just a fun fact. That's a;
0: it is a fun fact. And um, <laughs> I, I was—I mean, I know that Susanna has taken taking a look at your work. But I was like, how would you describe what kind of photographer you are? Like, I mean, I've seen some of your—I guess storytelling story you you have this kind of mythology in your photography and i find it very interesting so how would you could you introduce us to your background absolutely um
2: well i guess by i would say that i am a it, more and more i consider myself a performer uh and these these are the photographs are performances um they're self portraits, but it's not necessary that it's me. So I'm not telling you some intimate detail about myself or I'm not necessarily you know, exp- expressing my inner workings, but um, it's really sort of more commenting on the state of affairs happening or as I see it or, or commenting and just uh, technically the photographs are very formal. Uh, I shoot with film Uh, There's a central figure that is myself, uh, and I wear a uniform or a costume, which is sort of an everyman suit and hat and tie, uh, which I think, or I try to keep it out of time Mm -hmm. by doing that instead of dating myself. Um, But it also becomes sort of a generic male look, and I try to sort of keep it that way, and it's more sort of what this character gets into uh, that is important. Is, not necessarily what he's
0: wearing. Does that make sense? It, it does. Is that kind of like Magritte? Like, I, I, you're not quite in a bowler cap, but you're definitely like a man in a suit, right?
2: Absolutely. No, he, I, I, my schooling in the very beginning was painting. And he was a very heavy influence, um, just because I loved the whimsy, but also it's whimsy with a very sort of deep, sort of psychological. Day. Like
1: sure. Backbone, yeah.
2: Correct,
1: I, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I think what's, what's interesting is it's sort of, um, as you continue to do these pieces, it's you're not shooting them all in one day, obviously, but it's just, it's like, it's the adventures of this person. And I, I know that your work has been compared to, like, film noir. Um, yes, and maybe sure. it is just because of the, the suit and the hat and the silence. Um, but it, it says so much, it, it's like you just can't help but read into these these stories and whether you're you know holding a baby or you're half clad you know submerged in water it's yeah. um they're, they're they're fascinating it's like I can't wait for like the next episode to come out <laughs> sort of thing <laughs> how do you Thank how you. do you how do you think of these pieces if you and and how long have you been doing sort of this um is there a name for the black and white work of the of the man um how long have I've you been doing this project
2: I, I can't say that it's the most, uh, uh, the best name for it, but I've been calling him Everyman. Okay. Um, and I think something will come along that might sound a little more sophisticated, uh, but I, I feel like that sort of talks about it um, and also keeps me out of it, if that if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that you hit the nail on the head with film noir because that was literally the start of the process, which I think I started taking a few of these way back in college. Okay. Uh, which was, you know, 1986.
1: Uh, and it's always we, been you. The man has always been you?
2: No, it has not. But but often it is because I'm always around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're always around when you're taking photos. <laughs> Makes sense. And a cheap exactly. model. Hey, isn't your <laughs>
2: son in some of these?
1: Model.
2: Absolutely. And that's what's interesting is recently I have uh, two uh, amazing and patient uh, boys. And uh, my oldest um, has actually gotten very good at using the cam- like helping me. So he's been assisting me. He's gonna be 15 in a couple of days, but he's very good with a film four by five camera now. Cool. Uh, and my youngest, who's 11, gonna be 12 in a month, a couple months, has wanted to be in them. So I've got him a little suit, a little hat, and we've started sort of interacting more out of fun than any sort of deep you know meaning but the the images have ended up looking very poignant and and we're having a lot of fun doing it together which i find really valuable so
0: i love that it's a that you can make this into some sort of a family creation project and then go through time in that sense of both being timeless and you know it has kind of an internal nature of your kids yeah are your doppelgangers of your youth? you know and exactly,
2: exactly. I'm trying to get them into the family business. I
0: okay. got <laughs> <The> family, <business. laughs>
1: but I think what's also powerful is this idea that it is a uniform, and it's like so many people disappear into sort of the costumes of their day yep. or how they define themselves. and so they lose their own definition. and so I think i I, I found it really interesting to to see not only you and sometimes you know when you're not when this the everyman i'll I'll stop saying you when the everyman is not facing the camera um you kind of similar to the magritte is you get to put yourself in that position and sort of see through him see out to what he's seeing um it's it's really cool i i would love to see the picture or could you describe maybe the picture uh that you took of of your 11 year old uh soon to be 12 year old in this suit and kind of what does that image look like and we'll put it up in the show notes
2: um, yes, it, well, it's it's a, uh, I think he's been in a few of them, but okay. the one that, that I feel like is, is my favorite is I have a photograph and uh, it's called Savior, but it's, uh, uh, the original was myself or the everyman on a dock with a uh, a circular life preserver or like, you know what I mean? The thing you would throw out with the rope on it to try to Oh uh-huh.
1: Yes. Right. Oh, I see it. Yeah
2: um, he wanted to, like, I basically, we, we, I took a photograph with him. I basically retook the photograph with him in it. And then we started taking pictures with the two of us in it. And, and that's one of the ways that I work is I'll have something very formal that I'll set up. And then once that's done, I take a deep breath and then I mess around, if that makes sense. And then those pictures end up being more loose and often more meaningful. Uh, once I get what I think I'm supposed to get done, and then I start using that stage to to make more work.
1: And can uh, I ask about that, that the edge? It? Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask oh. about the edge of the photos? Like the, um, I'm guessing it's from the just the condition of the film coming out of the back of the four x five. But there's almost like this haunted edge that, it, as it kind of like. I don't know, frames itself out onto the edge of the actual... Um, yeah. How do I explain this? Like the edge of the pa- the paper, I guess? Ruben, help me out here. Is okay. is that something that you leave uh, for the images? I think there's something really beautiful.
2: Well, that is a, a type of film that unfortunately is no longer made. But I have a stockpile of it. It's a Polaroid film that I think stopped being made maybe 10 years ago. Wow. I don't know. Uh, Michael, if you if you, you know it's Polaroid Type fifty five, which comes with a, a a positive that you would peel away, and it also has a negative. It's a very fragile, but an incredibly detailed, beautiful negative. And those uh, the texture you see around that is how it's held inside the piece of paper that holds them together. Does that make yeah. sense? So yeah, typically, yeah. Typically what you would supposed to do when they originally made the film is you'd you'd, you'd crop in so you wouldn't see it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I like that you've left it.
2: And I love it. And the thing is that it, the film is so old that you never it's never the same look around it ever. So sometimes it ruins the whole negative and sometimes you get these great streaks and I I that's one of the the ironies I think is I have these very formal pictures but I like to sort of mess them up after and I feel like instead of having a messed up picture with a messed up negative, I like having a very tight picture with a and then sort of letting the, the, the process sort of become mm-hmm. uh, I, I wanted to say irresponsible but that's the wrong <laughs> word I wanted to I want the process to sort of uh, exposed be, be its own thing yeah exactly
0: you know I exactly. wonder there's a um, you know some a lot of times people who are using different processes want to uh, reveal, <clears throat> they want to reveal some part of that process. So, I mean, certainly Cartier-Bresson would file out his negative carrier so you'd see the edge of the negative to, to guarantee that he would, had not cropped it, right? But right, but right. but also people using Polaroids or um, other types of film stock want you to see that not just the edges or the the materials of it to make it evidenced that it was film or some other process. You could crop all that out. You could clean it up, but it's actually kind of cool to leave all that in. It's like when people would have the negative of, you know, the, the film sprockets or the, the, yeah, the yeah. Kodak information. Evi- yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, well, it's funny Now there's, you could literally add that in later, which is really funny. There's like
2: apps for that now. Right. Kill, it kills me, but I think that right now, especially, I I, th- I think it was interesting and fun before, but now I think it's a it's a point of pride. Mm-hmm. Many people will include it to be like, hey, I'm working with
0: film, man. But you're right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I,
2: I'm in the trenches, yeah. I, but you're doing it for real.
0: A lot of people I'm doing real work. But now. a lot of people are, can fake that, right? They can add in. It's like the Instagram even had filters that made it look like it had gone through a film process and
2: Absolutely. So there used to be a I don't know what happened to it, but there used to be an app on the iPhone that would add this exact T55 stuff around it and it tried to randomize it too which was really funny so it's really i I know i know and i was
0: like oh crap so you're shooting with a four by five what is the can you describe um how using a camera like that that site type of format and not just film but that type of format um is different from uh, digital shooting or other types of Of shooting, like, why do you choose to do that and not just use your iPhone or use a a DSLR?
2: Well, I have an interesting history about why I use it at all, and I started using it, and this goes back. I don't think I ever finished what I was saying. I, I actually, you had said that film noir, this this work is reminiscent. That's one of the origins of it. Is I was literally captured by, or not captured by. Uh, loved the feeling of many of those books are more description than they are story. And so uh, I started sort of trying to recreate some of the scenes that I saw in some of those books, specifically Raymond Chandler. Mm. Uh, And um, from that, that, at that time, they used a specific camera called a press camera which is this, you know, un, un, un destroyable camera that comes in a box that you then open it up and then put it back together. And it's just this beautiful machine. Uh, and most of the ones I would find were really beat up, which I really liked that idea that they would had a lot of use. Um, and so now I have a few of those and I use them and I have a few that I now use to repair the ones that I have. <laughs> um <laughs> uh but I think the reason to use it now back then it was necessity because that's all we had um but now I uh, it's because it's hard that I like to use it if that makes <laughs> sense no I'm I'm actually being serious it's it's it becomes a process to like you have to really just you can't just go out and shoot you sort of have to sort of make it part of like your whole experience like the actual lugging of the camera and the setting it up I think informs the taking of it and then lugging it back and then taking the film out. The whole thing becomes wrapped up and I feel like it adds deeper meaning to the end product. Um, and it's funny cause I also teach uh, photography to college kids and graduate students. And that's part of what I try to get them to do because it slows them down. It ha- makes them actually think about what it is they're doing. Um, and if they only shoot, um, digital, then I actually try to get them to imagine that they can only take 20 shots instead of, you know, 500 and to see if that changes how they work. What have because you found? I think it,
0: does it? I, it
2: does. It absolutely changes how they work um, because each shot becomes important instead of a one off or a, it, it gets them to think about more deeply what's in front of their camera and how they're. Capturing whatever it is that they're capturing. Hmm. Even if it's street photography, like I think that that applies.
1: I think just having the con- like constraints is always really helpful. It makes you sort of it makes you more accountable for what you're doing. And I think um, we've actually been interviewing we've interviewed a lot of photographers uh, on the show over the past year or so. And what's interesting is very often we'll hear as as photographers get more experienced or get older, they don't they don't take as many photos necessarily because they'll. No, I mean, I guess that's not not totally common. That's not all photographers. But I feel like the ones, the examples that I'm thinking of, it's sort of like they would not take as many because then they didn't want to edit it on the back end. It's like you have to, you realize, uh, okay, the more I take, the more I have to go through. And like, if I can really do this with intention, I mean, I remember when I was younger doing the point and shoot cameras and you would have 24 pictures or what, 32 or whatever. And you'd have to have that last for like the whole vacation. Um it was it was different than now I can easily take 24 to 36 pictures in a day in an yeah. hour you know
0: but are your pictures Absolutely. better you know uh, is it does it having infinite film make your photography better or are you actually yeah. less um thoughtful about what you're doing and maybe that hurts the whole process
1: I'm less thoughtful for sure uh, you know I think it's just like oh grab a picture i, I you know it's p- taking pictures now sort of has two different Two different paths for me personally where it's like there's this um you know this documenting mm-hmm. of just a funny thing or a, whatever it is of kind of it's not i'm not thinking necessarily about wha- how i'm taking the picture it's just like a quick of this snapshot thing. to remember mm-hmm. exactly yeah. and then there's this other side of the of my i guess photography which is something that you've really be- i mean like with this whole podcast that's um really been um you know one of one of the goals is just to make me more conscious of the photographs I'm taking. And I think the thing that I struggled with most is what Stephen's talking about. is just slowing down mm-hmm. and just taking the time to see and yeah. to think about it. And that's been, it, it's every every time, it's it's a conscious Steven, choice and a challenge.
0: Stephen, do you have a digital camera? Do you use it? I, I do. I have a digital camera and it's the
2: only camera I've ever bought new. <laughs> How are your it, was a, it, different? it broke my heart to buy it but i i <laughs> need it for for some of the other uh work that i do which is uh you know that's a whole different podcast i think
0: what um, tell us what else do you do when you're not doing this um creepy the mixed media nor- well stuff. let me let
2: me just uh uh i just actually have a really i'm interested in what you said about uh, you know shooting differently and and, and I, I have a counterpoint to that which I, yeah. find, I, I think is interesting because I in my mind and I, I grew up having this uh, beaten into me from my uh, teachers is editing like taking the picture is is just the start of the process and then uh, <sighs> editing becomes I don't even I don't mean editing like changing the picture I mean editing the the, the multiple pictures that you took also becomes really important. uh so I, I i'm sort of going against what i said about you know trying to make the one shot but i also feel like being able to pick the proper shot for what you're trying to to get across is incredibly important uh
1: mm-hmm. and i and
2: i have a fun story about that just i don't know i'm full of fun stories i'll, ke- I'll keep it limited no tell I, me no no fun i like story. fun stories yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i had a i had a student uh this was maybe 10 years ago, who was really struggling. Like he was one of these students that, and every teacher will have a story about this, but he really went, he, he would argue with everything that I would say. And he was really aggressive in critiques. And he just was having a really hard time. And you could tell it wasn't about us, it was about the fact that he was struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was trying very hard to do street photography with a point and shoot. And so, I I had to sit him down, and it was an argument, not a discussion. But I finally convinced him to use uh, a four-by-five, handheld four-by-five, which is what these press cameras are, to shoot street. Which he's like, what? No, nobody does that. I mean, of course, they used to, but it's not at all traditional. And he wasn't allowed to use a tripod, and he'd have to shoot... And back then, it was cheaper to do this. He'd have to shoot a box of fifty sheets a week and bring them in. And he was like, you know, I don't know if I can swear on your podcast, but he said, "F you, I'm gonna like." I was like, "I dare you to do that," and he's like, "Well, screw you, I'm gonna do that." Like he sort of stormed off, but I knew I got him. And that was the thing: is he came back. I didn't even say he had to print any pictures. I just said he had to make contacts of all of it and bring them all in. And it was amazing that he had to stand there with this big, heavy camera and try to take pictures on the street. And the first 50, maybe two of them were okay. But isn't that great? So then every week he would have five or six out of the 50 that were actually quite brilliant. And then he didn't quite understand it until three weeks later that all of a sudden he already had a portfolio of 10. (laughs) It <laughs> were really good and, and then it sort of dawned on him that oh yeah okay i get it and like you edit back from it all and then once he really got good at it knowing the camera and what it could see like he didn't even have to like look through it or look through the little eyepiece or whatever because he started to understand the distance because that's the interesting thing about these old cameras is you start to really understand the dis- distance between you and your subject without having to focus which is how all the the greats did it. They would just literally guess how far away their subject was, knowing their their instrument would be able to capture it in focus. Does that make sense? Yeah, Instead I don't yeah.
0: I, to under Yeah, I don't think people understand um, non autofocus focus. Like I I think they don't even realize that the process of focusing was a major part of photography. It's not like the camera just looks out in the world and is in focus. Like you have to choose what you're looking at and what's in focus and. So that's yeah. a great exercise well, for people. Like modern
2: modern photographers, uh, well, I'm saying younger ones, don't even necessarily look onto the top of their camera and understand that those are distance numbers, right? right. I mean, they're not going to look, they don't care. They just want to make sure it's in focus when they look through their eyepiece. So it's very interesting to try to, you know, look down and be like, oh, 12, you know, 16 feet. I wonder what that is. Yeah. So, anyway. mm-hmm. i know that's my little story so that was a that was life-changing for for me too because i i found that i almost sort of on on the cuff dared this student and now it's become i think something that i use a lot to try to break students out of uh or get them away from themselves
1: i love that i also do you think that the people that he was photographing reacted differently when they were being photographed with a kind of a big old camera versus a small, like a a point and shoot, or I guess even a DSLR when he was sort of on the street.
2: Absolutely. They, they were so much more open to it because he looked like he was legit, legit (laughs) or like not not necessarily serious, but eccentric. Does that make sense? (laughs) Like you're not
1: just just
2: a hack on the street. You're like out, out there like with this thing and it was hard. And I think he appreciated that it was
0: hard. Yeah. Right. Um, have you ever seen? I'm sorry. Have you ever seen David Burnett, um, the f- photojournalist? Uh, he walks around and he's got a giant wood camera. Yes. He was in yes. the. Um,
2: there, like, it, a, there's like a recent shot, like of the de- not a debate, but like, wasn't he, like, he got some attention for being the one guy in the press. The press pit that was shooting 4 by
0: 5 Yeah, yes. I love
2: that. Yes. He shot the Olympics that way. I mean, I think that's fantastic.
0: Right. Yeah. It's yeah. stunning. He's an amazing... He, he was on the show a couple months ago.
2: Oh, he was? Oh, that would be a great conversation. Yeah. <laughs> of course, <laughs> oh, we'd want to... Maybe
0: we should pull him back and talk about that. But that's... Uh, yeah. So the... And people do respond differently to the device that's in front of them. I think if you pull out a smartphone, they're uh, the subject will have one response. And if you pull out a 4 by 5 handheld giant thing. They're going to have a different reaction to you. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: When you're in your own photographs, how do you sort of self direct so that you know what you're getting? If you're shooting one shot, um, do you have a backup on film? Do you shoot Polaroid? Are you using your iPhone? How do you get, how do you know what you're getting?
2: Well, um, I think to start, I didn't know, but now uh, it's like anything uh, that you do enough, you start to just get a sense for it. Um, and I feel like, and it sounds it sounds really funny, but I think that that I can tell how far away I am from the camera, I can tell just by looking at the lens if I'm in it or not, or centered, by just reflection? by looking, yeah, or, or I don't even have to see myself, just by the way the camera, is facing, it, it, it's hard to describe, but I am aware of it now. Whereas in the beginning, I'd have to do tests. Uh, hmm. And to answer your question about film, I usually have, you know, I'll have a box of, of Polaroid. Uh, still, I have about eight to 10 boxes left of that p 55 so I, they're precious. Um, <laughs> but I'll also have, yes, I'll have about, you know, 10 holders of four by five, and I'll try to get the one shot, once I think I have it, then I'll use up the box of Polaroids and I'll use up the box of uh, or the or the holders of four by five just to sort of see what else I could catch. Not like, you know what I mean? I already know that I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I've got the picture
1: mm-hmm. and then
2: I then I just sort of mess around with it uh, to try to sort of change it up or to try to see what else I can find
1: yeah what was i mean in this process of uh, some of some of the imagery really like the one where you're sort of some um or every man is submerged in water looking out you sort of see you see him from behind there's a canoe that is like uh nearly submerged it's it's just barely floating The, the tips of it are kind of floating on the front and back um but for that shot, like, can you explain how you got there? Was it an accident? Was it really intentional? And did you wake up in the middle of the night with this idea of this is what I have to shoot?
2: Uh, and What's funny about some of these shots is I, I will find an ideal place not knowing what I'm going to do there. And then, and I, I don't know, Some I have friends of mine that are painters that will liken that to staring at a blank canvas. Except to me it's not blank. Like I already see beauty of it and I want to interact with it and I think the one you're talking about is is there's no you don't see any uh landscape behind it right isn't is it all fogged in
1: um it is let's see I don't it's I it's kind of an image that I saw when I was researching you I don't have it in front of me
2: um oh that's okay if it's a submerged canoe that means it was it was in a, a, a lake and it was uh there was no There's a a shoreline across, but you can't see it because it's all fogged in. And I found that to be just a beautiful blank space. Um, And then I think I took, you know, 20 or 30 shots. And I think each one would change. And I think with that one in particular, it was really more playing, having fun than any trying to say anything. And I think that I have a self-timer on this camera. And I think I was literally walking away from it and seeing what that would be like like oh, I would, does that make sense and see so yeah, how, yeah. far, how far could I get and still have the picture be taken and and then I'd find out later if I got it
1: it begs the question then how did you edit um how how did you go through the different images and what was your process
2: well that's just it is as I, as I didn't know what I was going to get which is part of the beauty of it and then
0: you know obviously you know 70 percent of them are terrible I'm more fascinated I love the one with the ladder in the lake I mean that is you don't do any um, photoshopping or post production these are literally set up shots yeah what i should do is if if there's
2: time i should send you the, the some of the shots building up to that because they're actually really funny
1: <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> i would love to see that
2: yeah. because ultimately i got wise and that ladder is there because i've built uh, a structure underneath so the water is maybe a foot and a half deep and i have two by fours and cinder blocks and and uh Right under the surface and I, I place the camera at such an angle and I'm giving away the magician's tricks but <laughs> I place the, the camera at such an angle that you can't see all that stuff. Yeah. Right. right? Um, and also, I think the, the the picture, there's one picture where there's something in the bottom left from going up that ladder, yeah. and that's that's actually a mistake but I've left it in because I sort of like that. I like it.
0: It, feels the mystery like it makes there. the whole thing feel like a portal of some kind that I'm looking through. But that's a, yeah. Yeah, but that's a canoe. That's the tip of the canoe, and that's how I would get out to the ladder.
1: <laughs> oh, cool. Of course. And I
2: have I have a self timer that is about thirty seconds, and so I was able to sort of run out on the inside of the canoe, which is tethered to the land. I know it's a, this whole it's this whole process. Right? Wow. Really how,
0: funny. <laughs> uh, um, Suzanne, think how different these self portraits are from someone like Shelby Diamond, who also uses yeah. film, also has this timer, has this kind of interesting process. Um, also mysterious, and yet, uh, of course, they're more uh, sensual, I suppose, and uh, I don't know, very different. I was yeah, thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was thinking
1: about her earlier, <laughs> where it was just the same kind of idea of you get so comfortable sort of shooting yourself that you have, um, that you're able to sort of you don't get caught up in the process anymore. You're really able to explore and and just think about what you want to see and what you want to capture, which, which is interesting. The, the one with the ladder actually reminds me of, um, did you see the uh, Lynn manuel Miranda um, Vanity Fair uh, cover or shoot where he's like, It was around the time of Mary Poppins, and so he's Uh, going up and down these ladders, but he's also in kind of a, you know, a a suit, a tuxedo, and it just, it sort of, it reminds me of, I wonder if they were inspired by your work. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's
2: interesting. (laughs)
1: Maybe. Maybe. How did you, so,
0: so this is one um, body of work that you've been doing for a while, I guess I'm not familiar with some of the other types of photography you do, but you are a photographer, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What uh, is-
2: well, well, that goes back to uh, when I was an undergrad. Um, that was in the early mid eighties, which was, I mean, that's when you know Basquiat was still around and Warhol was still around and Schnabel was making these big plate paintings. So it's a lot of sort of mixed media and things are getting pushed and shoved and, um, I was in a, a school that I would, luckily, this was a, an amazing experience. I got to meet not those two people, but I got to meet different people that would come up. It, like I got, you know, was able to be critiqued by Rauschenberg, you know, and I mean stuff like wow. that was was, I mean, and I didn't appreciate it at the time, of course, because I was a stupid college yeah. kid. But <laughs> that, youth but I wasted on the young. And go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh yeah, if only I would have like had smoothed that situation a little better. Um, but that was sort of what was in the air then was mixed media and, and like the Starn twins were really hitting it then, uh, and their mixed media work. They were at the, at mass art, no, the museum school, uh, at the time. And we were watching them and we had a a couple of classes that would pay attention to the real current goings on in New York and the rest of the world. Um, so that was a big part of our curriculum was sort of learning the process and then messing it up. Uh, if that makes sense. Like That's sort of how I view art in general is you have to learn how to do it right. And once you know that, you now have free license to do it wrong on purpose. And then you can explain why you did it wrong. Instead yeah. of like, like we were not allowed to abstract until we knew how to like draw the perfect pair on, in the still life. Is that yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. then you can like talk about why you did it in this other way.
1: It's um, like Picasso, you know, where his early work is is trained and draw, you know, kind of drawing correctly, quote unquote. Absolutely, so no, no, Then doubt. he could break the rules.
2: That is absolutely how in. Then, so you understand the underpinnings uh, of why you abstracted, or yeah, anyway, yeah. you think so, that's true in uh,
0: photography as well?
2: I absolutely think it is. You need to know the machine. You need to know the history. Uh, you need to know your place. In history, and I think that that my the way I look at it, and the way I teach it is, if you're shooting a certain way, it's it's the obligation of whoever your teacher is to show you who did that before them, and then who did it before them, and who did it before them, so you can really place yourself. Like nobody does anything brand brand new anymore, but they mess up what has been done in really interesting ways. Those those are the to me the most interesting photographers right now.
0: Wow. um Who are the most interesting photographers today?
2: Uh, funny, I'm so caught in history that my favorites are still... Uh, but I love like people like like uh, Abe Burrell. Uh I love... Do you know him? Nope. I, uh, I do. Eduardo uh, Ab- 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 He He... You, he did he got really well he his all of his work is fantastic, uh, and I first caught sight of him uh, because he, he he had a artist in residence at a local, beautiful library, and he would photograph their books in really interesting ways. but uh he uh, I think one of the more popular things that he's done are these camera obscuras that I think he started doing in hotel rooms, and you'd see, like, the landscape of New York City projected onto the inside wall of his hotel room because he would have darkened out everything except for a little hole, right? And then he would take this long exposure of what that... And so he has a whole series of those. Um, And now I just actually saw a video that just came out recently where he is painting on acetate or some sort of... And then he's pressing things into that and then using that as a negative so there's no camera anymore cool wow right so it's interesting so it's sort of like a photogram but he's manipulating the surface more than just laying things on the paper
0: i did uh, a, i did a lot um in my early darkroom work from the like the sabatier effect where you've got paper negative you have a, a positive print and then you s- layer that with an on a piece of paper that you have um, chemicals on, you turn on the light. So you now get a negative, you know, you're shining through the paper onto another piece of paper and making a, a negative. And if, you have Absolutely. and if you have something on that paper, then you get these double things happening that are very interesting. And I yeah. don't know where I was going with that, but like, these. no, no, but I'm so fascinated by all
2: of that. Like what is photographic paper and
0: the sensitivity of it? And,
2: I'm going to go on a quick side story is I had a, another student who was having really a lot of trouble and finding whatever she was trying to do. And, uh, I, what did I do? I encouraged her to take walks to and from school instead of taking the bus or, you know, however she got there. And she started collecting things from the ground and trying to do, uh, um, of them, mm-hmm. which were fine and interesting, but, uh, I don't know how she came across this, but all of a sudden she she became fascinated with ice. And so she started submerging the things that she found in big blocks of ice, like a foot huh. by a foot. And then put that onto the photo paper, like the ice on wow. the paper. And then exposing through it. It was amazing. It, uh. it refracted the light and it showed and it was it was, it was fascinating and they were beautiful. And as they melted, she would pick it up and put it on a different piece of paper and it was really fun. And and she has a whole series of the block getting smaller with the, just the, the stuff sort of starting to fall out of it onto the paper. It was very interesting. I love that. I know, I know. Right. I mean, that's what I mean. It's like all of a sudden you sort of break the rules of something that's pretty normal.
1: So. Is, is teaching for you. Um, how would you describe it as a role in your own photography, in your own work?
2: Well, what's funny is it's like this. It's like, I I think it's kind of, art is a pretty lonely profession. uh, Unless you are like in the early stages of my career, I was in a place where there was a lot of us and that was really fun and really potent for, for making new work. But most artists tend to be by themselves. And to me, it's like this process, like I, I now am hearing my own voice as I talk to you guys. And so it's like helping me sort of form, like think about things that I, that only bounce around in my head. And I think that, that teaching is like that, is it, it it forces me to sort of verbalize what I'm trying to get across or even think deeper because often students do things that are crazy if you don't tell them they they shouldn't do them they'll do them and it's really fun yeah uh, and that again goes against learning the rules but it's part of that it's sort of like oh i didn't know i wasn't allowed to do that it's like well fantastic mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that to me i feel like teaching is is like it's juice it's like it keeps me in the game uh and it certainly doesn't pay the bills unfortunately um uh, but but it's it's it pays the 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 intellectual bills maybe exactly right, right?
1: The, the the emotional uh <laughs> yeah. it fills the emotional fuel tank <laughs>
2: exactly exactly, and it grounds me and it, and it makes me pay attention to current goings on uh, yeah in the world, which I think is really important to not just get lost in yourself so.
1: if you could describe your work uh in one word, oh
2: what word would you use <laughs> Uh, uh, I can't um, I think, uh, well I, I would hope to me I think I'm more fun than I am deep and so to me I feel like <laughs> fun like I want people to enjoy it I don't need them to like you know start thinking about like you know the inner deepest thoughts necessarily even though I think a lot of that's in there and it can't help but be in there but I, I, I want it to look like it's I don't even want to call it entertainment, but I feel like getting some kind of a repeated joy out of it. Uh, so describing my work, it, it would be hard with one word, but. Uh, we can
1: do the Native American, like the hyphenated, oh all one God, hyphenated.
2: I yeah. <laughs> know. Okay, for real? I don't know. It's really, it's really hard. I'm sorry. I'm not. Born
1: by Mountain question. Tree. That's funny.
0: Exactly. But you're kind of a storyteller. I mean, as some photographers are documenting something in the world in a, maybe in a beautiful way or the way that they experience it. Yeah. But, but you're yep. also, okay,
2: I'll, do it. I'll take that.
0: You'll take that. But you're also creating kind I'll of a, it like Is it's not really a fiction. Like Jason Langer has this imaginary character that he was moving through his, his, uh, noirish photos, but yours are, well, it's not an imaginary character, is it? It's
1: no, it's I wouldn't like a, say like he's an human. archetype
0: yes yes perfect nice yep yeah Michael you'll uh
2: think this is interesting while we were in Houston someone pointed out to me uh this painter that named Casper David Friedrich who painted similarly to at least a couple of my everyman pictures which I found amazing and he is right and he's from like early 1800s <laughs> and all right and it's really yeah. interesting and it, it was it's
1: it's called
2: and I'll try to find this and send it to you but there's like a style of the of the man looking off onto the landscape
1: the gentleman uh, traveler yeah I, I mean yes
2: exactly and then she was like oh it's a you know it's like this and she called it something I was like oh my god that is just that's I'd never heard of that <laughs> so they, they, again that sent me down this rabbit hole of looking at his work and like this whole thing
0: So did you, um, did you have a good experience at PhotoFest as far as getting, was that the first time you had a critique of your work like that? No, no.
2: I, I, I tortured myself really early on with that stuff and I hated it. Uh, I think I got my ass handed to me more than any, I mean, like I tried to really do the, I tried to really work it in the very beginning of my career. I was like really going for it Uh and, um, which was great. I mean, it's, you know, you have to do it. Uh, you know, you. we all know that, you know, the art is 90% rejection. Um, but that experience at that particular time was amazing uh, because I'd already, I mean, I'm I not happy to say it, but I am, I'm a mid-career artist now and I feel like I showed not really given a shit. Do you know what I mean? Like I had this work that I was really confident with and I feel like I could talk pretty well and I wasn't that worried about, rejection and i think that even just that attitude comes across when you are being critiqued or you're talking to people so they're not worried about hurting your feelings anymore Mm
0: -hmm. like they're not
2: tiptoeing around and also i was able to discuss and not just have them talk to me so if someone had a problem with my work like i had one woman say that i was a poster child for uh um, for white male privilege when she looked at my work and I was like, Oh, all right, let's talk about that. I mean, instead of me going, uh, I'm going to walk away now. It became a conversation instead of me being hurt by what she said and we could discuss it. And I came around to seeing her point of view and she actually warmed up to my work after that. And it became, really nice. And she's been in contact with me since. So it was sort of like, I think she was offended and then stopped being offended once we were able to talk about the work.
1: So really specifically, like she said, your work exemplifies white male privilege. What did you say next? Did you say, let's talk about that? Or like, literally, what was the next thing out of your mouth?
2: What? <laughs> do you want to know exactly what I said?
1: Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm so curious. Like, how do you, how do you generate a conversation from that? Because I think that's something I rem- we would all like to know.
2: <laughs> I remember it specifically, and I, I smiled and looked her right in the eye, and I said, "That's fantastic. Where did, where does that come from?" And then Perfect she, descri- <laughs> she, dis- she described what she saw, and then I was yeah. like, "Oh, all right," you know, and I, you know, it, 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 I'm a white man, and I'm in a suit, and I. You know, I haven't had, you know, I've never been homeless. And so, you know what I mean? So it's sort of like, and I've been to school. So it's like, all right, I could absolutely see that is true.
1: Yeah. Right. But also, what a great response. I mean, embrace it and then just keep going. Like, let's let, you know.
2: <laughs> I mean, well, that was like a punch. It's like, all right, let's like fight club. It's like hit me again. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, right. And, and what's funny is, is, is I don't know, uh, the rest of that experience was very interesting because I met a number of people there that literally left after the first day because they were so crushed. I don't know if you remember that. I
0: Michael, do.
2: But there were people that like were like, "Oh, I can't. I can't. I that that so many people were so negative that I'm just going to leave." And I was like, "What are you doing?" Like that's the point. Yeah. You know, the point is to actually find out what other people think of your work. You can't just you, know, you have to be like I know. I don't know. Steven, it was really interesting to me. You just take it. You have to take it and and, and like process it, and then it, either it changes your work or it doesn't.
0: I yeah. But you show up at this. You show up at PhotoFest, and you generally are showing up with some degree of confidence. Like I, I've been working on this. This is my best work. I love it. And to just be savaged. I remember I yeah. remember talking to yeah. a couple of people at <laughs> PhotoFest too were just flummoxed. They didn't they wanted to cry, you know? They thought I people know. would hail them as a love new them. hero. Exactly. Oh, I love your work. Let's have a show next right. month. Is right. Yeah, no. Yeah.
1: But I feel like that's what happens when people, I don't know, move to LA. You know, it's a give people from all over uh, at yeah. different levels and different parts in their life or their career or whatever, but they all go with this, you know, hope and a dream and you know for most people it's it's there's a there's some real life lessons there there's some real rejection there's a lot of uh there's a lot of doors getting slammed in your face and so it's only the strong sort of survive and maybe the few lucky ones are the you know that are that just happen to be discovered right away but i mean for every for everyone else there's there's just a lot of work involved it's Um, i think it's pretty admirable to go to something you know where you know you are going to, even if you don't expect it but you you get um you get a really harsh series of crits and you keep showing up i think just in life that's that's really admirable. Keep showing up. Or what
0: Exactly. That's the work. And you right? discover also that um, if you're showing your work to a dozen people and you get savaged and savaged and savaged, and then inexplicably one person thinks you're a genius. And you think that's so right. weird. All these great people hate it. And then some great people like it. Huh? It's not like an absolute, right? Right. No. no. And I find that instructive. It's
2: it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's, a really,
0: I, it's really the whole thing has
2: made me think about the whole process differently. I think it's very strange, uh, just like the art world in general. Like, you know, I guess, you know, independent uh, uh, like commercial galleries are having a hard time, but the, film, the, the festivals are really blowing up. I mean, it's a really interesting scene right now. Um, but also, you know, film is back. I mean, it, it's so popular right now. It's very interesting. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. It'll all shake out.
1: Uh, Stephen, I have a question. As far as um, giving, I know you're already a, a professor and instructor, so you work with a lot of young photographers. But if there's someone that you kind of came across um, who isn't currently enrolled in one of in one of your courses. Um, what advice would you give them uh, What when they're sort of starting off taking pictures and this could be taking pictures with their iPhone. It doesn't even have to be uh, with the four by five or a DSLR or anything like that. But what, what advice would you give to new photographers?
2: Oh, I'm such a nerd. Uh, I would say <laughs> they, they need to buy a history of photography book. Okay, yeah. great. Like I, they really do. They need to see what's been done. Uh, I don't think, it's necessarily about how you take pictures in the start. I think it's about why you take pictures. Hmm. Why, why are you interested in the world? What are you looking at? What are you trying to do? Uh, I think that that's harder and harder these days because there's so much media out there.
1: And And, what mistakes, oh, sorry, go ahead. Keep finishing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Finding a reason to do it, like, like, I think that that, and this is something that I'm struggling with too. Is that self self-portraiture is really interesting in, in the age of selfies. Like why ideas. why yeah. does that happening? So I struggle with that. Um, so that's that's my uh, that's my take on that. Is I want them to to, to look at what's been done uh, at the same time as exploring their world instead of just wandering you know, whatever, wandering the landscape, I think they need to sort of figure it out.
1: Um, and then we, we love to ask all of our photographers that we have on the show this question. Um, what do you have hanging on your walls? Like what what what's kind of your favorite photo uh, that you have on your walls? It doesn't have to be yours, but it could be yours.
2: Oh, that's a funny question. Um,
1: well, I'm a sucker for it. I have some amazing
2: pictures of my kids. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. That can you just des- can you describe uh, like one or two of your very favorites?
2: Well, one that I can actually see right from here that I like to look at every day is um, I have a, a a beat up old Hasselblad camera that takes these great, quirky little square pictures, and it, it it you never know what you're gonna. It's like one of these things where the lens is all beat up and it looks great because it's sort of odd. But one of the things I used to do when my kids were just learning how to walk is I would follow them around with it <laughs> and just see what they would do. And there's this there's this great shot that I have. Uh, we're going to I'm in a path, you um, know, in, in the woods in Maine, and um, my son turns around and puts his fingers up to his lips and tells me to be quiet and shushes me because he's like. <laughs> He's, like, looking for something, and I have this great picture of him turning and doing that. <laughs> and I love it. It's like, oh, my God. Like, it's one of these things that, like, I cannot believe it became something other than my son. Does that make sense? It yeah. elevated beyond, yeah. like, a family shot. That's great. Um, Very
1: cool. Well, hopefully, if you can send us cool. a picture of what that looks like so we can include it in the show notes. Um, Stephen, I want to say a big thank you uh, for joining us today. We, Oh, my I've God, really, yes enjoy the conversation and the chat um i think we will wrap it up at this time so uh thank you thank you thank you uh for being on our show and happy holidays to all of our listeners our show is recorded and produced in san francisco go to neomodern.com podcast to get show notes see photos and post comments please leave reviews and ratings on itunes or wherever you listen and don't forget to subscribe
0: We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, send them a link. Thank you to Stephen Sheffield for joining us today. Uh, Mitchell Foreman for our theme music. And all of you for hanging out. We hope you have a great new year. We appreciate your attention. And we hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time.